Hey, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall. Where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. And this episode is another interview episode, and I am so thrilled and excited to welcome you to a dear friend and colleague, Corey Yamaoka. Hi, Corey. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Of course. We are so excited to welcome you to Breaking the Fourth Wall, and we're just excited to talk to you about all things Corey and get to know you a little bit more and let our audience uh, know some of the amazing work that you're doing. That sounds amazing. I'm glad to be here and look forward to answering some of these tasty questions that you sent me. (laughs) They are tasty indeed. (laughs) So we usually start with a puzzler. And uh, I tried to find a puzzler that kind of circles back to some of the work that you do. Um, And so uh, we will circle back at the end and answer it together. So here's our puzzler. What pop rock musical was scheduled to open on March 12th, 2020, but was canceled indefinitely due to the pandemic? Mm, That's a good one. (laughs) I think I know the answer to this. I have a feeling you know the answer to this one. So yeah, we'll circle back at the end and we will uh, discover that answer with Corey together. Fantastic. Let me just tell you a bit about Corey. So if you don't know about her, she is such an amazing human being, an artist. And I just want to give you a little bit about her history and what she does and who she is. So Corey is a musical theater vocal coach and music director in San Diego, right right down, down the street from where Tim and I are in Orange County. She's a specialist in musical theater repertoire and contemporary pop rock performance styles. Corey explores the intersection of rock music and musical theater and has been a guest lecturer at Musical Theater Educators Alliance and Association of Theater in Higher Education, as well as guest teaching art as well as a guest teaching artist at universities across the United States. Corey is also the host of Studying the Song, a podcast for musical theater actors about audition preparation and vocal styling. She helps singers create a powerful audition book that showcases their artistry and helps them achieve their artistic goals. Selected musical direction credits include White Christmas at Gateway Playhouse in New York, also Phantom at Gateway Playhouse, Beth Malone so far in New York and San Diego, Everybody's Talking at San Diego Repertory Theater, Violet at San Diego Rep as well, and Cabaret at Amda College and Conservatory in L.A., She has an MFA in musical theater from San Diego State University and also a BA in music from San Diego State University. And the reason why I know Corey is because I also got my MFA in musical theater and I believe I was the class right after you, right? I think you were, yes. And you, your class came in and auditioned and we were like your welcome club and like hosted you guys and like said, it's all going to be okay. You're going to get in. Don't worry. And uh, <laughs> yes. it, the, that program so amazing because, you know, you really go through something when you're in there for two years with the same like eight to 10 people. And even though like you were an entirely different class, I still feel like I know you and we're bonded because we went through the same experience. And that's still happening with the people that are there now, like X amount of years later, we won't say how many years. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just, I think it's something really cool about, maybe it's just about when you're getting your graduate degree, wherever you are, there's something um, that you just, you know, a kinship that you feel with everybody that goes through that program. Yeah, it really does feel like a community. Even if I, like, I haven't talked to you a lot recently, or I haven't really actually, I don't think we've even worked together with you. We haven't, no. Not yet. 
No, not yet, but we will. And we are right now. We are. I know. So yeah, it's like a little community too. So if anyone's interested in learning more about an MFA, you know, definitely reach out to Corey because she has such a great side of it because you really focused on the music direction and vocal coaching in the program. I did. I mean, I applied to that program knowing like they didn't, that didn't exist. And I just sort of went into the director's office and I was like, hey, I'm a music director. Can we create something around that? And they were like, yes, yes, we can. What I didn't know at the time is that I would then become like, you know, the work slave for all piano <laughs> accompaniment in the entire program. But I played so much rep. I got to, you know, be the fly on the wall in so many vocal lessons. It was really, you know, exhausting, but a great education. So yes, that was a different perspective than everybody else who was doing more on stage work. Yeah. So it's, it's great because with graduate school, you can kind of get out of it what you want at many programs. And I feel like that's what we got. The first question we wanted to ask you was, what are your thoughts about the current state of musical theater and its direction? This is such a huge question. And when I saw it as the first one, I was like, what the heck? There's like 25 topics I could bring up when I'm talking about this. We just dropped yeah. a bomb like right from the get <laughs> <laughs> This could be a whole, this is your, your podcast like whole theme, right? It's like what's happening and how are we going to improve this? So um, I think right now our current state is that we are rehabilitating, that we are coming back and not just the theaters themselves trying to get back on their feet, but actors. And I know within this last year, I mean, there's been so many steps taken and discussions had about representation of people of color and, um, you know, trans voices and non-binary actors. And that is important. And I think from my perspective, my little angle and my piece of like trying to help is working with the actors themselves. Mm -hmm. and. You know, I on my podcast recently, I just I was talking about like, what are you doing right now to help yourself come back? Like you've been through a traumatic experience. We are all different because of what's happened in this last year. We had our livelihoods just taken away from us. And it's devastating. People have had to have, you know, move back in with parents. They've had to go into whole different jobs and, and try to start their own business. And, you know, actors that are equity have been fighting with equity about wanting to work and equity saying that they can't. And I think what I want to do is right now help be that person, be that person that helps them find their way back, mm -hmm. gives them the encouragement, like open up your mouth and sing today. It's going to be rough and it's, you might cry and you might not like what you hear, but you need to do it. Because every time you do it, you're going to get a little bit closer to being back on track and you're going to get back to where you were before. So I think that's one of the biggest issues right now is that we're all sort of injured and yeah. having to return through trauma and then also physically being out of shape with our voices and our bodies. Like, can you imagine these dancers are going to now come back and be auditioning? And I'm just like injuries left and right, vocal injuries left and right. I think we're going to have to address that stuff. I think you really hit the nail on the head with the trauma because I think all of us as educators, as, as creatives, as, as young performers, as students, we're all coming out of starting to come out of this experience. And, you know, whether you are um, trying to get yourself back in shape to perform again in term, from, a, from a vocal standpoint, or if you're just trying to figure out how to navigate the new world that we're in, there's 
there's there has to be people like you that are there to support them and to say we've got you and we're gonna we're gonna be with you through this until we get back to a place where we feel really confident about you know who we are as artists again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think there's other people that are there that are the ones keeping the institutions accountable and doing the work in the leadership and making sure that the representation there is changing. And then we also have our actors that need their own support, just like you said. Yeah. Have you noticed anything when you're working with folks right now? I know we're all working on Zoom (laughs) in Mm -hmm. lessons and sessions, which is a whole nother conversation within itself. But have you noticed on the other side, actors that are working through material and it's very difficult to get through it, especially if the song is relating to something they're going through? Because I know even when I'm in my own voice lessons with my voice teacher, there have been days where I just show up and I can barely get through the song because of all of the emotions we're going through. Have you seen that? What's been your experience? Um, I've, you know, I had one student recently that was like visibly fighting back tears during the, during our coaching. And the topic was specifically very triggering for her because it was about a loss of a family member and that kind of thing. And that loss wasn't COVID related, but I still think that being in a setting where we are under such stress and such, you know, trauma and pain and loss that the things that normally we would be grieving are that much more difficult. And, you know, she wrote me, uh, I wrote her an email and I said, I didn't realize that, you know, so-and-so had passed and that this song was going to be, I apologize if we overstepped any boundaries, like, let me know what you want to do next time. And she's like, I appreciate that so much. I've had other people that have tried to push me through it and said, use those emotions. I mean, I I'll watch, you know, you watch something on, on TV and you just tears start coming and you're like, why this, I didn't have tears about this before, but all of a sudden you're, it just hits you because you haven't seen so-and-so in a year and a half because you can't travel to see them or whatever it might be. Um, I mean, just the, the mental health repercussions of the whole pandemic is going to be such a widespread web and we need to be in whatever way we can, whatever our arena is, ready to help the people that we're with. I mean, that's my attitude. I want to help people. So. And you spoke about something a moment ago that 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 brought up something for me about the idea of you know those people, those those certain uh, teachers out there that would force these young people to work through that moment where they are mm-hmm. triggered, and that's how I was taught when I was coming up. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was that very method. Uh, idea of, you know, you're existing in this emotion, you feel it finally, you're feeling something now live in that emotion in this moment. And, and you're just kind of, you've lose control of yourself. And I really think we have to be careful. I think I agree with you so wholeheartedly that we have to be careful, especially after all of this, uh, to look out for the well-being and the mental well-being of, of uh, performers in general, to make sure that we're navigating them and educating them uh, and teaching them uh, in a safe uh, environment. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're going to be, I mean, how do you feel safe again on stage if you never know what's going to happen emotionally? I mean, yes, those emotions are going to come up, but you've got to do that work in a gentle and encouraging way to be able to manage them. Um, Yeah. I I can't imagine having somebody teach me that way. It was rough. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we, that's what we've been talking a lot about, how we have been t- all taught a certain way. And so we're always trying to figure out what are the changes that we can make as mm-hmm. you know, teachers, educators, and also the folks that are on the stage and backstage. How can mm-hmm. we make that change and you know, have these conversations? Which leads us to our second question, which I think you've already touched on a little bit, but do you, is there any specific place that your passions lie with po- advocating for any specific positive change in musical theater? Um, yes. Again, another question where like, I'm, I'm so for all the things that have been happening, but you know, you kind of find your one little battle that is your battle that you're going to be like, I'm the general here and you go be the general over there and together we're going to win this. Um, I personally have gone through, you know, just that constant fight to figure out who I am as an artist and what do I have to bring that's of value and is there a place for me and should I be doing this or should I not? There's somebody else that can music direct and play and sing in town. Should I do it? Why don't they just get it? I'm not as good as them. It's all of that, right? Um, you know, a while back I was doing songwriting or performing, you know, as a singer or songwriter And again, just that constant comparison to other people and so much negative self-talk and um, insecurity. So one of the things that I'm really passionate about, again, with helping actors is that they discover that they are intrinsically valuable, Mm -hmm. that they don't have to earn it or prove it. Um, What's There's like an Eastern philosophy that you know, becoming who you are isn't about finding that thing. It's about pulling off everything that you aren't. And uncovering then, the layers. Yeah. Uncovering the layers, right? And then you discover who you are. So I feel like that's what I do in my coachings is I'm trying to help them like uncover that. That's You don't have to be that just because somebody else was. And you don't have to be this either. Who you are is amazing. Let's figure out what that awesome, unique combination of skills is. And put that out into the world. And then you're going to see the opportunities come to you once you embrace that. Now, when you're working with college students, they are still kind of trying everything on, right? They're throwing all the spaghetti at the wall and they haven't been through maybe as many life-changing experiences where you really start to narrow in on your, your niche. But, but still, even in college, like you can see those things that makes somebody special and different from the other person. And I think that's part of our job as the teachers that work with that age group um, is to shine the light on those things and encourage them. So I think that's the positive change that I'm trying to make is encouraging actors to know that they do have their own voice, that they are inherently valuable, and that's what we need in the world. Even sitting here right now, listening to you say that, I feel like I'm having my own coaching session. With I know. You right I'm now. sitting here being like, "Okay, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm open. I'm ready to learn." <laughs> <laughs> you you really brought up a great point, though. Uh, you know, so many of us were always told, you know, you are this type, you are this person. Um, you know, this is how the world is going to see you. There was this hierarchy, this patriarchy that always existed in the classroom, where there or or in a even in a rehearsal space where someone was always saying, "You are this." I love how you're talking about, let's discover, let's, let me give you the tools to discover your essence, your humanity, your authenticity in the space. And that is empowering for a performer uh, to, to help them acknowledge that they have an equal part in the conversation about discovering who they are. Yes. I love those words that you just said, their essence and their humanity. 
Um, I think that's what makes a great performer and the memorable ones, right, that stick out and that become these iconic voices in our in our um, musical theater canon. Like, those are the people that were unashamedly themselves. I mean, I always think of Carol Channing, who is so strange yes. and funky and awkward, and her voice was so odd. And if somebody right now had that voice and looked like her, how terrible would they feel in the current scene where it's all about belting as high as you can and looking like the, you know, a model. And um, it, it's the uniqueness that makes you interesting to watch. That's mm -hmm. what we want to see on stage. Now you brought up type and we need type, you know, type, not as in stereotype, but as in archetype, because there are archetypes in the stories that we're telling and you will maybe fall into certain archetypes, but then it's also the uniqueness that you bring. So it's about like balancing those two. And like you said, right now, everybody's getting the, you're the, you're the sexy ingenue. You're like, okay, but can I be more than that? Right. Oh, you're the comedic thug. Okay. Oh. But I can also have, I have dramatic chops. Like, can I also explore that? And you know, these, a lot of, maybe we experience these things in our education programs where you didn't get the opportunity to explore mm -hmm. those other sides of yourself. So. And that's what I think the academic space is designed, is supposed to allow you to do, is to stretch yourself as an artist and say, you know what, I, 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 I want to see how far and what extremes I can exist in, in terms of uh, the types of roles that I play. And then yeah. ultimately, by the time you leave, you know, your training that you, you have a, a clear idea of your essence and, and where you're going to gravitate towards in terms of roles. Yes, definitely. That leads us into our third question. We'd love to get your feedback on what do you think needs to change in our current industry? Okay. You guys are like the heavy hitters, man. Let's go for it. We, yeah. <laughs> what needs to change? Um, I have a couple things I want to talk about. Well, the first thing I just said was, you know, this, this obsession with high belting, like that might not seem very deep compared to the normal things that you talk about on here, but I think it needs to go because it is thrilling and it is exciting, but it's also becoming unhealthy because you've got all of these people that may not have that voice. They have something else really cool, but they're never going to know it because they're still trying to be, I don't know, and name your high belter. And that's what they're trying to be. And then you have the high belters on Broadway that are ruining their own voices doing it. And we know who those people are and we won't mention them because that's not nice. But um, I just think what else can you show us about what it means to be a good singer and a good performer? I was just watching the um, the Kennedy Center Honors for Shirley MacLaine. I, I don't know how I found it. I was in the YouTube rabbit hole. <laughs> and you just start clicking on stuff. And um, Patina Miller came on. It was her turn to sing, If They Could See Me Now, ba -ba -da -ba, right, from Sweet and the song, the highest note is an A, right? Like towards the middle of the staff, not even very high. But you knew from like the first three notes out of her mouth that were all like middle C or below that she was a phenomenal singer. Mm. And what is that? It's the breath support and it's the intent and it's the light in the eyes and it's the tautness in the whole physicality that that gives us that and makes us ex excited to watch, right? I don't need to hear her sing all the high stuff, which she can, and she can do it healthfully. And it's, it is thrilling, but 
you know, I want to see in our theater classes, like, bring me your four bar audition. Oh, I hate that. And nothing for oh. <laughs> the C above middle C if you're a girl. Well, let me see if I can get that you're a good singer with four bars. And that's what I, when I'm coaching people, I say, anytime you're singing, I should know the quality of your voice. Like I should be able to cut you after two bars and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I have an emergency. I need to go, but you're in the show because I know you're a good enough singer. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're throwing away the low stuff or the, the verse or the stuff before the riffs, I don't want you on my show. Nothing is, you know, they didn't write any part of it to be throwawayable. Right. Right. That's that's one diatribe of, of what I think needs to change in our industry. I think that's just as deep and important and heavy and and essential as anything because these are and this is why we we were so excited that you wanted to chat with us when we asked you is the fact that these are the things that we don't talk about because if we talk about these things then that means are there consequences for somebody hearing me say, "Hey, you know, that is something that is going to hurt your voice. That is not yeah. healthy. You know, is that going to keep me from working?" And the fact that we have performers that are killing themselves on stage, it just needs to stop. It has to. And the more we talk about it, the easier it's going to be to navigate it and to have tools. I I feel in my, and even in my experience on, you know, being on stage and off stage, the more we talk about it, the easier it gets. The tools that we yeah. have to work and to be able to say, hey, this is, this is hurting me. And, um... I just feel like it's such an important message to hear from somebody like you to folks that are listening, whether they're, you know, just starting out their career or whether they are even professionals that you don't need to go in like we've all been taught for so long and sing your highest notes. (laughs) But that's how we feel. Yeah. You feel like you have to do that to stand out against the other singers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Louder and higher and. Yeah. Forced. Yeah more gymnastics and all of that. And I think, you know, what's so funny, I'm sure you, as a music director in the audition room, I'm like, you know, second or third down the line from the director about who gets to get called back. And they're always like, we got to call that person back. And I'm over at the piano, like, I don't think that person can sing the show. Why do you want that person to come back? Because the director doesn't care, right? They're looking for who is the person that's going to carry the emotional journey? Who's going to give me that peak scene where they've got to go here, right? And you're like, yeah, but they can't sing this D, which is totally like the big moment in that scene. But the actor, I mean, the director doesn't know that. And they're, you know, that's why we're all in the room together is to sort mm-hmm. of give our piece, our piece of the pie. And I just wish more actors knew that the people behind the table, like they don't know what note you're singing. <laughs> as the accompanist and like once in the, once in a while like if i'm just the accompanist and the md is behind the table they're like what note was that and i'll give them the note i'm like oh okay but most of the time it's about like are you in it is mm-hmm. there joy in your artistic spirit are you embodying that you know all of those things do i see interesting choices it is not about the high notes I also read this study a couple of years back where um, they looked at shows like um, Jersey Boys and Wicked, and um, they started looking at the evolution of how much composers have actually extended the range of mm-hmm. singers uh, across the spectrum in terms of like 
how it was in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s versus how it is now. And you would look at it and you would start to see trends where the number of people that were calling in uh, and having their swing or their understudy go in for roles like Elphaba or Frankie Valley in Four Seasons, they did a, in this study, it showed like there must have been like 12 Frankie Valleys that had gone through the Broadway run uh, in its time that it was on, primarily because of vocal health. Interesting. Oh my gosh. I would love any more information if you happen to come across that or know where you found it. I think it was kind of like a taboo kind of conversation that was being had because a lot of composers didn't want it getting out saying that like, okay, we're, we're starting to call you out and say, you know what, you're not really thinking about the human voice and what it is truly wow. capable of and not capable of. And also we're not singing on the radio. We are singing in front of live people, eight shows a week. Yeah. Uh, and that requires a different kind of dexterity with the instrument. Oh my gosh. And we're not singing with auto-tune mm -hmm. like pop stars are. We're not lip syncing. Like, yeah, if you're writing this show for Broadway and you know it's going to be eight shows a week, be kind. But I don't know. It is it is thrilling and they make good songs. And even, you know, all of pop music is is huge, you know, increased ranges as well. The verses are so low and so below the staff. and then. You go up to a pre-chorus and uh, the choruses are all on the top of the staff going all the way up to like a G above right on the top of the staff. And it's like, it's unreal what they're asking people to do. And then what's funny is like, you'll, you'll have people coming in for a show like Hadestown mm -hmm. and they're like, we want folk. <laughs> and then people go and they start listening to folk music and they're like, this is boring. I don't know what song to choose. Right. <laughs> show me off. And then they try to pick like a contemporary pop folk artist that uses bell. I'm like, no, that's not folk. Like go back to the folk artists. You know, you've got like the famous ones in the seventies, like, um, you know, Joni Mitchell and Joan Baez and all that. But folk goes back farther than that. That was like the second or third wave of folk. And there's just a lack of education about all the other things yeah. about what, you know, make good singing and, and good entertaining songs. So I want to take a second and wrap back around mm -hmm. to things. Our last question for you, which was, what projects are you currently working on or do you have coming up? Because we want to know. Yes. My entire life right now is this podcast. I have been doing it for only like a month and a half. And I've had such tremendous encouraging response from people and I love doing it. Like I was just telling my husband yesterday, I'm like, I just, this is it. I found it. I just love this. Aww. Like, I just want to be in there and writing. And it's like all the teaching, right? And you get to pick whatever topic. It's not like somebody says, here's your class for the semester. You're like, no, I want to talk about this this week and this the next week. So it's all about like auditioning is my main focus and it's about finding your artistic voice, which we've already talked about these things today. And then also just being that like vocal coach in your ears as you go through the week saying like, hey, let's do a breakdown of the show six or let's do a breakdown of Town, so that you know what are the music types in here and what are the artists that you should look for uh, audition material from. So it's just like if it's the stuff I want to talk about 24 hours a day anyway. And then somebody said I could just put it out there hmm. on a podcast channel, whatever, and people would listen to it. I'm like, all right, I'm in. But as you both know, it's, you know, it's exhausting. It's a lot of hard work. Yes. It's constant. Like, you know, I'm a mom. I have a, a kid who is 
three and a half. I almost said two and a half, three and a half. I have another job. Like we're all working from home and it's, you know, when do you have time to do these things? So it's, um, it's my heart and soul. I love this project, this podcast, studying the song. And it's also, you know, it takes sacrifice, but that's what makes it so sweet, right? Is that that sacrifice is also something so amazing. And, it, and also, also, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Ash. No, you're fine. Also in the process of doing it, you start to discover a lot about who you are as an artist. When you go back and actually listen back to your oh. own work, you're like, oh, I really said that. <laughs> yeah. You know? You're like, dang, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> your own horn. Or you're like, oh my gosh, cut all of this. As I was telling you guys, like I realized I sounded like William Shatner because I was like thinking as I was yeah. speaking on my podcast. And um it's revealing and it's what I tell singers to do. Record yourselves, videotape yourselves, and then go back and dissect and be like, Yeah, I hate watching this. Why do you hate it? Because you're seeing all the things that need to be fixed. So that's my, my current passion project is studying the song and coaching and those two things really. I will put all of those links down below in the show notes so everybody can check it out. I think there's like eight episodes already out there for you to listen to and consume. Yes. Yes. It's like having, it's like having you in your pocket when I'm like walking and I'm listening to your episodes. Like, it's like, oh, a little mini coaching session chat. And I love how you talk about other things about yourself and um, your your cooking and and all the nutritional little things. It's so it's so yeah. wonderful. It makes me so happy. <laughs> um, but let's take us back to the puzzler, Tim. If you want to wrap back around, I think she knows the answer. But yeah, yeah. All right. So, what pop rock musical was scheduled to open on March twelfth, twenty twenty, but was canceled indefinitely due to the pandemic? And the answer, and the answer is... is. Do I give it? Give it. Sure, do it. Oh, it's Six, the musical. That's right. Six, the musical. Uh, yeah, it was scheduled to have its illustrious opening, much anticipated opening on March 12th, probably scheduled to be, oh, that's our dog. Uh, scheduled to be, there's our dog again. Working from home, what are you going to do? I know. Uh, much anticipated, came from the West End, and everyone here on the stateside was really looking forward to having its opening. And of course, many other shows that same night closed uh, indefinitely on Broadway. Some of them permanently, some of them hopefully will make a return as we start to trickle back into uh, performing theater again. But yeah, Six the Musical. I can't wait to see it when it comes back around. Um, and I know you did a whole episode. I think episode six episode was dedicated six. to well, six, six the Musical. About Six the Musical. I mean, and it's like everything that I was just saying needs to be done, right? It's like high belting and it's pop and it's riffing, and, <laughs> but it's also super fun. And I love that it so clearly draws on like famous, iconic pop artists as the inspirations for the music. Um, and th- there are some good songs to use as audition pieces in that show. If you're going elsewhere, if you're auditioning for, I don't know, Moulin Rouge or the new Britney musical or any of that kind of stuff. And what I love about that show too, which is a lot of the work you're doing in the pop rock arena mm-hmm. is different characters uh, use different stylings. They do. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I put on my stories on Instagram a few weeks ago, one of the songs which I can't remember right now is so clearly like a Britney Spears toxic. It's not a ripoff by any means, but you can see that there are references and the way that she vocalizes is that sort of like sexy pop princess talk singing. Yeah. And then she'll throw in some riffs here and there, but then you've got other people that are just, 
you know, there's this ballad in there, Heart of Stone, that's just like Emily Sande, very um, dramatic belting that is pop, but you have to have a really amazing voice to have the vocal control on it. Yeah, they're all a little bit different. Um, and it's neat because like every girl gets to have her big song, right? Each of the six actresses um, are on stage the entire time and they're all singing and putting their bits in, but they all get a moment where they are the main leading lady. It's just so amazing to have a show that's all women, <laughs> strong, powerful women. And open to non-binary actors. Yes. yes. Because there are some of the roles that have been played by non-binary actors. And one of the roles, the author, um, I can't remember his name right now, but stepped in and played Catherine of Aragon, I think. And I was like, oh my, because there was like a sickness in the cast and they weren't able to go on. And I thought, how did he do that? Like, did he just sing everything down the octave? Or does he have one of those like got you know those voices like the guy from Pentatonix that can like sing crazy? And this is something like we didn't talk about, but it's also something I'm interested in. It's like how are we going to make space for trans and binary, you know, non-binary actors singing the scores that we know and love? But then also, what are the new musicals going to be like Mm -hmm. um, to accommodate that? Even. even as I said, it's great to have a musical that's all about, I paused because I, I, there's not really a term yet where we want to say, you know, we mean women, but we also mean non-binary. It's, it's, it's really getting challenging now in a good way. I shouldn't even say challenging, but it's getting to be a good. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. How can we say that? So strong, strong stories on stage, which is exciting. Yes. Corey, thank you so much for joining us. Sorry, Tim. No, no, I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> we were just we were just so excited to have you. It's uh, been be a blast. This. Thank you for letting me get on here and, you know, talk about my little things that I'm interested in and to be a part of the amazing other, you know, talents that you have on this show. Um, I was listening to your clip from last week about the problematic golden age theater and I thought, "Ooh, yes, I agree. What are we going to do about that?" And mm-hmm. so, Um, very inspiring the work that you guys are doing thank you for for putting this together well it's an honor Corey. and uh again check out Corey's podcast what's the what's the exact title the song studying the song check it out everywhere you can download or listen to your podcasts uh and get those little important little bits of tidbits of information just to make you a better artist and a better human overall thank you again Corey. thank you